Fantastic, guys. Well, look, welcome to another in our series about the life and teachings of Jesus. This is part four in the series. And today we're going to be looking at an important topic, the topic of healing. Um, anyone who reads uh, the Gospels of Jesus Christ will realise that healing was a big part of his ministry. Many people were healed under his ministry. But one of the things I think we sometimes forget is actually he trained a whole team of people to have healing ministries. Let's have a look at a scripture here. Mark six twelve. it says this. They, that is the, the disciples, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. Jesus sent the 12 out to do this, but he also sent the 70 out, a broader range of disciples, and they saw a stack of people healed. It was part of his training process, not just to do the healing himself, but to train his disciples to do the same. And uh, I realise we, we grow up in a, a world uh, where, say, at high school, we come to the understanding that miracles are impossible. There's no such thing as miracles. There's always a rational explanation if anything of that nature happens. The church I used to attend in England... Um, where Jason comes from the same church too. Jason, I was talking about this guy briefly this morning. Dr. Anthony Chan, he was a medical practitioner and senior consultant of his practice in, in Reading, Great Britain. And uh, let me tell you what he said. There have been many patients over the years that we have done everything for medically, but their negative condition and symptoms remain, or indeed they have a terminal illness that nothing can be done for. The best we can do is to make them comfortable with pain relief. Yet, they have returned to the practice for further examination and the negative symptoms are gone. Or, for instance, there is no longer any trace of terminal cancer. My colleagues have no explanation for this, but I'm aware that person received prayer in Jesus' name at my church or another church. And I have seen this, he says, many times. You see, there are medical practitioners that are aware that miracles happen. They don't really want to state that too loudly or they might be considered a bit of a nutter. But the fact is, they're aware of it. Miracles actually happen all the time. And I think we need to talk more about it. But it also reminds us that, friends, God has called us, not just for perhaps some of the ministries that we're more familiar with, but I want to suggest he's called people to a healing ministry. It's part of how he trains us. If we want to be a serious disciple of Jesus... This is part of it. So I'm going to share with you, I'm going to break this up into two sections. Three points in the first section. Healing, three essential elements. Healing, three essential elements. Luke 5.17 says this, One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Or the um, New King James Version puts it this way, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now that immediately tells me something. The way that is worded, Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes these words, and I want to suggest the conclusion we have to come to here is that the power of the Lord is not always present to heal the sick, but it is sometimes. Um, I'll give an example of this where... uh, David Yongi Cho and his uh, very large church in Korea, which was uh, famous for many decades, 
Um, he knew Robert Shuler, who pastored a church in the United States. Um, he invited Robert Shuler to come out and preach at his church. After Robert Shuler's sermon, Joe had instructed him that you call people forward for salvation or for healing. And Shuler said, well, look, I can call them forward for salvation. There's no point in me calling them forward for healing. I've prayed for sick people many times. No one gets healed when I pray. There is no point in me calling them forward for healing. And Joe says to him, you call them forward. So he did. And a bunch of people got healed. Shula was amazed. And Joe explained, because of all the prayer that takes place in this church, and they have prayer mountain, which is just this constant prayer, prayer mountain, 24-7, always, hundreds of people praying all the time. Actually, thousands of people praying all the time. And he, Cho explained it like this. He said, over our church, because of the worship, because of the prayer, there is an open heavens. And the power of God is so often released and people are miraculously healed. My first point is this. Number one, an essential element for a healing ministry, the power of God. The power of God. Without the power of God, no one's going to get healed. If someone says, I have a gift in healing, that may be true but no one's going to get healed through their ministry without the power of the living God. Let's look at another passage, uh, Luke 5.18. So men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on a roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Notice this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now try and picture this for a moment. Um, Jesus attracted very large crowds at times. And this family, they, they want to get this paralyzed man, a member of their family and friend, they want to get him to Jesus. They think if we can just get him to Jesus, he'll be healed. But they couldn't get through the crowd. And so they go to the extreme of climbing up on the roof where Jesus was preaching you know, and lower him down, moving the tiles and lowering him down. I'm, uh, as uh, you've probably seen in one or two of the, the presentations of this on film, you have the owner of the house complaining very loudly about what they're doing. <laughs> and they get this guy right in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at the amount of effort they went to to do that, and he's impressed with their faith. And as you know, the paralytic was miraculously healed. Faith is important, but let's look at a passage here which is an interesting one, which you might say is the opposite of this. There, there, is, there is little faith. Mark 6, 1 through 3. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So people are listening. Many of them are amazed. Some are not. goes on to say, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him, they say with sarcasm. What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and his brothers, brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And then what's this carry on about this Jesus guy? You know, he's just, uh, he's Joseph's son, the carpenter. You know, Joseph's passed away. God rest his soul, they might say. But he's just the carpenter's son, Jesus. He's that young fella at the carpentry shop. You know, we know his family. He's nothing special. You know, it's just rumours about him healing people. That can't be true. And Jesus says this, Mark 6, 4. 
Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He, this is Jesus, he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Wasn't that an interesting passage? You ever noticed that one before? So here, the lack of faith affected Jesus' ministry. Few people were healed. Perhaps a few minor issues of sickness were healed. None of the big miracles that we read about. Why is that? Well, it seems to me that although God is not dependent on humans to do anything at all, he can do whatever he wants, but it seems from the scriptures he has often chosen, majority of the time he has chosen to cooperate with human faith. And so even Jesus was influenced by an atmosphere of doubt. Few miracles will work. Minor miracles will work. Nothing like his normal ministry. It tells us something important, doesn't it? And that's this. Number two, faith in Jesus is an essential element for healing ministry. There needs to be faith in Jesus. It's an essential element. Now, I'm not talking about faith in general. Um, I remember being at a... You remember that course, Journeys, that, that outreach course? Some of you will have completed that. It's a very good one. They created in New Zealand, a little bit dated now, a little bit like the Alpha course, about, a little bit like the modern Alpha course. The, um, there's, a, there's a moment in there where there's a, a violinist prodigy. Roz would appreciate this. Very talented young girl, and she's touring Europe and that sort of thing. Brilliant violinist from New Zealand. There's an accident. She's one of those people movers. She's getting in, into the vehicle. Someone slams a jaw and goes right on her hand. It's going to be this hand, her, the, the hand for the violin. Not for me. I'm left-handed. But, but for her, it would be this one. And she had surgery, operations and so forth, but the scar tissue was such she was never going to be able to play anything complex again. Devastating. Well, in the documentary on the journey's course... She goes, uh, her mum takes her to a minister and he, she, she's prayed for and she's healed, it's documented, miraculously healed. Well, oh, the table that I was sitting at, there was a, a gentleman there who was an atheist and so he immediately jumped to the conclusion, because he doesn't believe in God, that it's human faith. That's how people get healed, it's just people's faith, faith in general, you know. But I want to suggest to you that that is not the case. You can have tremendous faith as a human, but that doesn't mean anything. there's going to be necessarily a positive outcome. Let me give an example of this. Um, shortly after the Second World War, uh, this practice was all the rage. They were called barrels. And uh, let me describe one to you. Mr Redhill's barrel was unlike any other. It was constructed of 13 large inflated inner tubes that were held together by canvas web webbing encased by heavy gauge fish netting. Uh, he called his barrel the thing. Now, the, the, these were popular and they got a lot of media attention. Now, he claimed the thing was unsinkable. Didn't matter where you took it, it was never going to sink. And he, uh, with great media attention, is going to take it over Niagara Falls. That's over 50 metres and there's a lot of water going down there. And so, media was present, a crowd was present, he did his thing, he was strapped in the thing. Absolute faith in the thing unsinkable. Well, it's clear when it hits the bottom of the falls that uh, he's in trouble. Sometime later, the mangled thing floated to the surface, destroyed. 
And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Redhill was found the next day. He drowned. His faith was absolute. But friends, uh, human faith can be uh, terribly misplaced. The next passage I'd like to look at here is uh, Luke 5.24. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Now, the paralyzed man could have said this to Jesus after he prayed for him. What do you mean get up? I'm paralyzed. Jesus wanted him to act on his faith. I've prayed for you, now get up. Get up and roll up your mat, take it home. You won't need it anymore. It's kind of a tool of the trade for the beggar, the, the mat. He acted on his faith. He responded to what Jesus said. Let me give another example. Uh, Luke 17, 12. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. You got the idea? There's some lepers. They're calling out to Jesus. Jesus says to them that you go and show yourself to the priest. Part of the Old Testament law, if you were to be proved uh, set free from leprosy, the priest had to examine you to prove that. And Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, they could have responded very differently. Well, that's the last place I'm going to go. He's going to confirm that I've got leprosy. But no. They went, and it says, out of obedience, as they acted on their face, as they went on the way, so they were healed. Can I suggest a third essential element? Acting on faith. We need to act on our faith. Let me just tell you a story about this. In my uh, church at Crossway South, there was a gentleman called George Cranston. George had gone for a checkup to the doctors and unfortunately he'd uh, received a bad report. He had prostate cancer, very severe condition, um, and uh, he went back for a second examination and this time the cancer had spread far more considerably and it was even into his bone marrow. In fact, it had spread so much and so rapidly in that short period of time the doctor said to George, look, George, I'm very sorry. Chemotherapy is not going to help you. I'm very sorry, George, but you're going to die. You don't have long left. We can give you some medication for pain relief, but there's nothing we can do for you. As George shares in his story, it's not easy to hear that. <laughs> he went home to his wife and shared the, the second report. And Georgina, great names, isn't it? George and Georgina. And Georgina says, we should pray. We should pray. And they prayed and they looked through the Bible and they found this verse, James 5.11. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Well, George read the scripture but he didn't leave it there. He then acted on faith in that scripture, called up a couple of leaders of the church that they might come around and pray for him. They anointed him with oil. He was prayed for. He went back to the doctors for another checkup. 
This checkup, the cancer was almost gone. He went for a further checkup, disappeared entirely. Terminal cancer, 100% healed. But if he hadn't have acted on his faith, what if he'd have read that scripture and just done nothing about it? Acting on faith is another essential element. Now, let me quickly go through three principles to practice. Three principles to practice. Luke 4.38 says this, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. And you've got to try and picture this. Uh, according to the archaeologists, Peter's house was immediately across the street from the local synagogue. Big place. In fact, you can visit it today. You can see the ruins of it. The church has been built over the top of it. You can look down the church and see the, the ruins of, of uh, Peter's place. Peter's is a logical spot to go. Jesus has been there teaching the word of God and he drives a demon out of someone and Pete says, come back to my place for lunch, just across the road. And so Jesus does. And there, as he, you know, he's hanging around Peter's house, perhaps you know, eating some nuts and olives and drinking something, and then, and then it's, word goes out, the mother-in-law's really unwell. She's got a high fever. Would you go and pray for her? And we're going to see the passage in a moment where Jesus prays for her and she's miraculously healed. But think of the setting. He's not at the synagogue. He's not on a preaching tour. He's just at Pete's place having a bit of lunch. And there in that environment, he prays for the mother-in-law and she's healed. Can I suggest this? Principles to practice. Number one, practice, practice healing ministry as a lifestyle. Practice healing ministry as a lifestyle. It's not just a special event. It should be part of our lives. Now, Brett Kelly's with us today. Now, Brett, Brett's been out on the, um, you know, he, he does our, our lawns, our whippersnipping, sorts out the weeds, trims the trees, all that sort of stuff around the property. A few months, Brett, Brett was here and he was... Um, he was mentioning like repetitive strain on his shoulder from the whippersnipping. And so I had a word of prayer for him, just laid hands on him, prayed for him. And more recently, Brett had a nasty fall, fell over and damaged his hip quite badly. And so again, it was one day he was here and so just laid hands on him and prayed for him. Brett tells me this week that instantaneously, immediately after prayer, Jesus healed him, took away the pain immediately. But that's not a, it, wasn't, it wasn't even at a church service. You know, it's just everyday life. A healing ministry should actually be just regular practice, part of what we do. I remember a chap who um, was coming to my church at Crossway South. His name um, was Russell. Now, Russell uh, had had a, a negative experience at church, and he was pretty cautious about coming to our church. So he would turn up uh, kind of as the first song had started, and he would leave when the last song started. He would make a beat. He didn't want to talk to anyone. He just wanted to catch a church service. He did that for a while. I reckon, goodness, probably three months, might have even been four months. And then the one Father's Day, uh, we had lunch after the service, and uh, simple stuff, hot pies, cold Cokes, you know. <laughs> and our church hired a theatre Beautiful venue, but we're out in the foyer area of, of the theatre, uh, having our pies and cokes. I managed to get talking to Russell. I said, why don't you stay for a pie and a coke? He was actually really like pies. So <laughs> twisted his arm. He stayed. We're chatting away. Now, I knew he had a walking stick. He was just in his early 60s. He wasn't an old man. Um, and he said, 
Lee, I've just got terrible pain in my back. I had a serious accident a while ago, and I'm in severe pain all the time. Tried different medications. You know, I've had checkups with specialists. They just seem like all they can do is just take a little bit of an edge off the pain. It's, it's just, it's so debilitating, and I used to be so active. And I said, well, let me pray for you right now. Yeah, seriously, in the midst of pies and coke, that doesn't sound very sanctified, does it? Just prayed for him, laid hands on him, prayed for him. He came back to church next week and he says, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, well, I guess actually, no, we, we should believe it, shouldn't we? <laughs> he says, I, this is the best I've been in ages. The pain's almost entirely gone. I can go back to living a normal life again. This is fantastic. And from that point on, actually, Russell got heavily involved in our church. About 18 months later, he was elected, actually, as our church secretary. And also, uh, we bought a sports centre and he did a ton of renovation there. Um, very, very involved. And he's doing that ton of renovation with what was previously a terrible back, but Jesus set him free. Just everyday lifestyle. There was a, a lady who was a, a local missionary we supported in my church in England. Her name was Nazrat. And um, she practiced healing ministry as a lifestyle. Let me specifically tell you one of her stories. She told me about this, and I've kind of recorded the precise details. 8th of June, 2016. <laughs> She's at the bus stop. Guy sits next to her at the bus stop. She senses the Holy Spirit reveals that he's got pain in his knee. And so she just asks him, have you got pain in your knee, sir? And he says, well, yes, I do. Uh, how do you know about that? And he said, well, God told me. And then she adds, and Jesus cares about you. Can I pray for you? And so there at the bus stop, she lays hands on this guy and prays for him in Jesus' name. And she said, he arrived looking pretty sour, you know. She watched the expression of his face change. He brightened up considerably. By the time she'd finished her prayer, he looked cheerful. And this was his response. As the pain had left his body, he responded like this. Tell me about your God. She did. She shared the gospel and he invited Jesus Christ into his life there and then. But this wasn't an arranged event. She's just waiting for a bus. I realise some of you might have the question in your mind, yeah, but Lee, what if you do that with an unchurched person like that gentleman and it goes badly? God does nothing. Or they get worse. And that's, that's a question probably, you know, anyone who's praying for someone who's unchurched, you, you'll have that question in your mind. My leaning is, go ahead and do it. And even when there's a potential of it going badly, let me tell you a time where it went badly. Um, we used to live in, in Berwick, and um, we knew our neighbours both sides quite well. But my neighbour on one side came across to chat with me. Um, her name was Vicky, and she had never asked for prayer. She knew we were Christians, but she'd never asked for prayer. And... Um, she said, look, my mother mother is, is um, in a terrible state. We knew they were building a granny flat for her and um, on their property, which is just about finished. Um, they're going to amputate her toes because of lack of circulation. Um, I'm just so worried about her. Would you and your church pray for her, please? So I said we would. And because we'd had a few events where neighbours had been over and stuff, uh, one of my small groups particularly, they knew them, and so they especially prayed. We prayed. Well, a few days later, I'm out mowing the lawn, and 
one of the relatives of the family came across to talk with me and said, oh, I just needed to let you know, Vicky's mum passed away this morning. And I remember feeling sad for the family at the time. And I thought, what do we do? You know, um, so I talked with Pamela about it. We decided, had a word of prayer, and we thought, look, we'll buy, buy a nice bunch of flowers and just go over and just... I guess, commiserate, support them at this moment. Uh, we didn't know what the reaction was going to be. Didn't think they'd be angry with us, but we did think they may be angry with God. You know, what use is your Christian God? First time I, we asked for prayer and my mum's dead within a few days, let alone healed. You know. But she was nothing like that. She opened the door, she embraced us, and she said, oh, come in, come in. And she talked for... A long time about a mum. Lots of stories about a mum. And around dinner time, uh, suddenly these steak and chip serves arrived on plates. Husband had ordered all these and we stayed around for dinner. And, you know, after dinner we got into some really deep spiritual conversations. Never got into such deep spiritual conversations with them. And so, yes, we stepped out. We took a risk. God did not answer that prayer. Far from it. But... Let me suggest this. It's not just about healing, but about what God does when we make ourselves vulnerable, asking for his help. Let me say that again. It's not just about healing, but about what God does when we make ourselves vulnerable, asking for his help. Let me make another point. Luke 4.39. So he bent over her this is the mother-in-law, and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? How do you rebuke a fever? It doesn't like have a personality, but he rebuked the fever. And yet he does, he does this from time to time. Have a look at another one here, um, Luke 5.13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. He demanded that the leprosy leave, commanded it to leave. It's, it's interesting, but can I suggest this? Number two, we need to proclaim health over the sick person. It's not only praying for them, it's proclaiming health over that person. You are healed in Jesus' name. You know, it's that sort of thing. You see that Paul did this. You see Jesus modelling this. One more. One more point. Luke 4.40, it says this. At sunset... The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness and laying hands on each one, he healed them. You got the idea? So this is again at Pete's house. So there's been this um, uh, day where Jesus has come back for lunch. Mother-in-law's been healed. There was a person set free from a demon at, at the synagogue and the crowd heard about that. And so the villagers turned out, significant numbers of them, wanting for, for those who need it, wanting healing. And it says, Jesus, he laid hands on each one, everyone who was sick, prayed for them and healed them. Um, have a look here at Mark 27, 527. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. 
At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. Notice that. He turned around and in, in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You got the idea? Jesus laid hands on people and power was imparted. Here this lady just grabs his cloak. That was enough. And power was imparted to her. Isn't that interesting? There's something about the touch element. Is, is it essential always? No. But it is a principle we see often practised. I, I can remember the, the, almost exactly the same story in India. We had a lady come forward. I was um, preaching with an interpreter. And this lady came forward. She had a vaginal discharge. She, had, it, she could not get it fixed. She was in a lot of pain and had been for years. We laid hands on her shoulders, prayed for her in Jesus' name. The pain left the body immediately. But we laid hands on her. We prayed over her, placing our hands on her shoulders and praying in Jesus' name. We've made six points today. Firstly, here's a recap. Healing, three essential elements. The power of God, two, faith in Jesus, three, acting on faith. And also healing, three principles to practice. One, practice healing ministry as a lifestyle. Two, practice, uh, proclaim health over the sick person. Three, practice the laying on of hands. Now, I'm not trying to create formulas, because I don't think it's ever about formulas, but I'm saying here are some principles we can see regularly in Scripture. And if we're serious about being Jesus' disciple, well, actually, this is how he trained his disciples, and they had healing ministries. You might have thought to yourself, yeah, but, but, but Lee, you know, there's no way I could do this. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't think I have a gift in healing. All my life, since becoming a Christian, I've always tried to read the scriptures and live them out. Do what it says. And um, even though I would say for every seven people I've prayed for, only one has six of them, nothing happens (laughs) in regards to healing. Nothing. But about one in seven, God steps in and he does something. Now, what if I just said, well, I don't have a, you know, I can't heal people, I won't bother. Well, That one in seven, because I've prayed for a lot of people, that one in seven is dozens and dozens and dozens of people have been miraculously healed. But if you don't practice it, well, no one's going to get healed, are they? Friends, let's step out in faith. Let's learn from the scriptures. Let's try and live what Jesus taught and let's see what he does. Let me finish with a final story. I recently um, caught up with David and Tracy in Queensland or um, uh, visited them a couple of times because we're up there for holidays. He used to be my music director, David, and Tracy was one of my worship leaders. They were in our church in Sydney, and I remember early one morning. Um, oh, actually, well, no, it wasn't early by this time. They used to get there early for band practice, but just before the service was about to start, Pamela finds Tracy, who was to lead worship that Sunday. She's doubled up, crouched down in a corner, tears in her eyes, in extreme pain. Now, we knew she had endometriosis, but we didn't realise how severe it was. Her and David were not short of crust. David earned a very big income, and uh, they'd spent plenty of money on specialists, doctors, getting the best medication and advice they could get. But her condition was not improving, it was getting worse. And she'd been told, there's no way you guys will ever have children naturally. Even IVF, it's questionable that Tracy will fall pregnant. Devastating news for a young couple. 
Well, I still remember one morning having a quiet time. I felt the Lord speak to me about Tracy. We had a, in that church, once a month, we'd have a half night of prayer. And uh, we would, um, a night generally, it started with a meal, not a big group, just 12, 15 people. Started with a meal, then we'd have time of worship, David lead us in that, on the keyboards, and then from there, uh, we'd have time of communion, and then we'd move into prayer for revival or intercessory prayer or praying for individuals there, that sort of thing. I got a sense that we needed to focus on Tracy that night coming up in a few days. Called up my prayer director and said, what do you think about that? Is that okay? And so that's what we did. We got to that point of the evening where we prayed for Tracy. Now, um, we're in the habit of anointing people, sick people with oil, simply because it's biblical. Nothing magical about the oil. Again, it's just out of obedience of Jesus. And uh, everyone there was able to grab a little communion cup of oil. There's probably 15 of us. And I think everyone prayed. And so every time they prayed, they would dump another little communion cup of oil over her. I remember one point her hair was absolutely dripping with oil, long dark hair. And she said, it's okay, it's good for your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a couple of times she was standing initially and there's a couple of times, perhaps we should have given her a chair, but she was just kind of standing and we were all circled around her and she collapsed a couple of times. She told me later she felt the power of God fall upon her. Some people also had a word that she's healed. Jesus has done his work. She knew the pain had left her body. She had a few apprehensive days. And, um, she, you know, do I just feel healed or am I really healed? You know? Well, she went to the doctors, had the thorough examination, and the reports came back, and the CAT scan, etc., had revealed that the cysts had disappeared. And the conditions were gone. And, of course, as, as I'm sure you'll expect me to say, the doctor had no explanation for this. But what's more, you know, um, they went on and had a couple of girls naturally. Here today, we're, I want to open up this area for prayer, for healing. Now, you might personally need healing, physical or emotional. Or it could be you've got a relative or friend, you would really appreciate prayer for them. So as the worship team returns and as I pray, let me create this opportunity for you today. Come forward to be prayed for. Mareka can join me to help pray for people. Anyone wants to come forward for prayer for healing, feel free to do that right now. Let me pray for you as a church. Let's be upstanding. We're about to move back into a time of worship. Father, here today, in the name of Jesus, We're reminded from your scriptures that you are the great healer. But we've also reminded from the scriptures you sent your disciples out to heal the sick too. Father, help us to be a people who are willing to be obedient to your scriptures. Live them out and not sort of see them as somehow removed from our modern lives, but realize, actually, Jesus, If you were here on planet Earth, you would be still training disciples to heal the sick, amongst many other things, but that would be included. So, Father, today, help grow our faith and help grow our obedience to your scriptures. You are the almighty God, and we need to be a people who cooperate with your spirits. And so, in your holy name, we seek to do that this very day. Father, if there are people here who need healing, Lord, release your spirit, release your power that they might receive your healing touch in the name of Jesus.